Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the honor of having Dr. Lorna Lewis with us. Lorna believes in empowering others to support the success of students and has spent her career fulfilling this mission. She surrounds herself with people who have the capacity to do great things for the future of education and charges all of her administrators to hire great. Her philosophy is that truly amazing leaders empower others to become leaders. The highest goal of leaders is to work yourself out of a job so that when you are not around, the organization functions just as successfully as when you are. She never set out to become a superintendent of one of the finest school districts on Long Island, Plainview Old Bethpage Community School District. Instead, she sought to make a difference in every role she served in and honed her craft along the pathway as a physics teacher, a science department chair, a director of science, an assistant superintendent, and a deputy superintendent in Long Island districts of quality. She is currently the president-elect for the New York State Council of School Superintendents and co-chairs their curriculum committee. She is the immediate past president of the Nassau County Council of School Superintendents, a member of the Long Island STEM Hub Board of Champions, and serves on the board of Erase Racism and the American Heart Association. The Freeport-Roosevelt branch of the NAACP named Dr. Lewis the recipient of the 2004 Education Award. She also received Educator of the Year Award from the Korean Parents Association of Long Island, St. John's University Chapter of Phi Delta Kappa, and the Long Island Black Educators Association. In 2014, she received the Martin Luther King Jr. Community Award from the Suffolk County Commission, and in 2015, she received the prestigious Nassau Boses Education Partner Award. Earlier this year, the Anti-Defamation League honored her with the Making a Difference Award. Welcome, Dr. Lorna Lewis. We are so happy to have you on our podcast. So as you know, our podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership, and we want to do that today by asking you key questions. Uh-huh. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am so ready I'm and so honored excited. that you asked. Yay! I'm so yeah. excited to have you. So yeah. our first question is, tell us a bit about your path to leadership. Well, you know, I, I think I was dragged into it. <laughs> I really wasn't, I didn't set out to be a leader. Mm-hmm. I set out to serve. I think that makes better leaders because you don't start out by thinking I'm going to lead people. Mm -hmm. You focus on the service that you can provide and making 
this world a better place for the area that you're serving in. And for me, whatever the path was, it was always making it better for kids. Mm -hmm. So that was the driving force for me, and it still is mm -hmm. in every decision that I make. So it, the path to leadership is service. Your service. And so yeah. I imagine that that's your leadership style. Absolutely. I always talk about followership rather than leadership because okay. if you turn around and there's nobody behind you, you're not leading anybody. You know, John Maxwell says that. Yeah. yeah. You're just taking a walk if no one's Absolutely. behind you. Absolutely. <laughs> John Maxwell's work guides me too. So. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so. Then we have a lot to Absolutely. talk about. Okay, Certainly. great. So did you start off as an educator? Always. Okay. I started at three years old. <laughs> I mean, it's Tell just us. amazing. I, I'm from Jamaica. Um, I was born in Jamaica. And I remember I would name the trees children. <laughs> and I would come home and, uh, from school and I would teach the trees. Every lesson that I learned in school, I would repeat it. And every tree had a name. And some people really thought mm -hmm. I was crazy because I'm outside talking to trees. Mm -hmm. But I really loved education and I loved teaching. I always wanted to be a teacher. When we had recess, I would form all my friends into a class and I would be the teacher. And they remind me of this even today, you know. Mm -hmm. So I always wanted to be a teacher and I still am I think of my administrators and each time we meet there's a lesson that mm -hmm. we have to leave mm -hmm. feeling that we've learned so oh. it's been in your heart since three oh, years old in, oh absolutely oh. I've never not wanted to teach that's great now which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why yeah so I chose Lao Tse Tung because mm -hmm. I like his work in fact, I bought it for some of my administrators because we're reading some of his writings. I like the work that speaks about leadership. And he says, a leader is best when people barely know he exists. I love that. When his work is done, his aim fulfilled, they will say, we did it ourselves. That's awesome. And that's how I feel. I feel that when things happen here mm -hmm. and people take ownership of it, what does it matter? I don't need the credit. It matters that it gets done. You've done your job. Yeah. You've done your job when people own it. So that leads into what type of leader are you inspired by and why? I am inspired by the kinds of leaders who will think about the work being done in their absence. If you have to be there to have it done, you've managed. You haven't led. Leadership is about getting people to embrace what it is that you're about, certainly setting the vision and making the vision become the reality, but translating your vision to the point where people will pick it up as a call to arm. Mm -hmm. Phil Schletley is another person that I'm guided by. He just passed away this year. He's a great mm -hmm. educator. He talks about standard bearers, mm. that we all need to be standard bearers. And he always used, and I've used it with my administrators, and I feel like I have a group of administrators now who really are standard bearers. In the old days, when you went into battle, there was always a standard bearer. And there were always people who, when that standard bearer fell, knew that they had to pick up that standard and move it forward. Mm -hmm. So the scene in glory where the standard bearer falls, and then someone just picks it up and moves it forward. In the end, he's holding up the standard as he's passing. And in fact, there are many films around that where you would see a person going into the hospital but still holding on to the standard because mm -hmm. that's an important concept that people in the organization recognize what the mission is, what the vision is, so that if one person is not able 
to do it, someone will step in and pick up the standard it's and like keep a, it going. It's a shared responsibility. That it is absolutely. Mm-hmm. We rise together, we sink together. Mm-hmm. That's an important concept. And we concept. learn together. And we learn together. Lorna, what is the best advice you've ever received? Do your homework. Do your homework. And it seems so I simple. Mean, but know, and it is very simple. It was advice from people that I admire so much by just watching them. And the other thing is show up. <laughs> Always be visible. Honor your word. Those are the kinds of things I'm governed by. The idea is never show up without having done some homework on what the organization is about, what you're presenting to someone. If you're going to a conference, do your homework. Preparation's preparation. key. Perspiration and preparation. <laughs> Great advice. Yeah. So what does it mean to have a good team and how would you build one? essential to have a a team in any organization where everybody embraces the vision. So the one thing is that, first of all, you have to have a vision and a mission that people believe in. I'm going to go back to Phil Schletley, Mm -hmm. and I probably will get it wrong because he's so brilliant at it. But he talks about you don't create your beliefs by consensus. You create consensus around your beliefs. So in other words, you have to be firm in what you believe in. You have to have your beliefs. You have to have convictions, Mm -hmm. which is so what's happening in politics today. People blow in the wind, and Mm -hmm. then they change their direction because one poll says this or one poll says that. You have to know what direction do you want to take your organization. So your beliefs have to be firm. And then those beliefs have to be good enough to create consensus around them so that when you build a team, the team is not going to believe in you if you waffle in the wind or lead them into a path that doesn't make sense. So be firm. Engagement in classrooms is is a firm belief. Then practice those beliefs. What is it that we do that improves engagement? You don't have to have a lot of beliefs, but you have to have firm beliefs mm-hmm. and then seek to create consensus around those beliefs, not the other way around. So let's let's talk about a team for a minute. Do you think that everybody needs to be thinking the same to have a good team? Oh, absolutely not. In fact, I like pushback. Pushback leads. It was hard when I first came here because the administrators were not used to that style of pushback because they were used to the superintendents saying this and then they just did it. And there are other points of view. For example, we just are engaged in trying to figure out extra help and when it should occur. So the union came to me with, okay, we would like to do it on Mondays. And it sounded good to me, but I went to the team. And immediately... The elementary principal says, we have a lot of Mondays that we have holidays. That's one. So we're Mm going to have less days, which Mm -hmm. I never even thought about. But also, if extra help is happening on Mondays, then your parents, they'll forget over the weekend. Mm -hmm. That's not something I would think about. I'm a physics teacher. I'm a high school person. I'm not thinking that. Mm -hmm. So the thing is that while I am firm in my convictions, I'm also firm in knowing that I don't know everything and that their expertise within the organization, that I've hired people for their expertise. How stupid would it be for me not to use that? So I have really good people. I believe in hiring great. And so if you hire great, you're going to have people who have points of view. And they will push back. And when they push back, that strengthens me. You know, when you're in therapy, physical therapy, because I was injured. Mm -hmm. But in therapy, you get strengthened by 
resistance. There's a reason for that, but not resistance that's destructive resistance. It's healthy resistance. It helps you build your muscle. Absolutely. So your mental muscle, mm-hmm. your organizational muscle gets built when people feel that there is a culture that is safe enough for you to resist. You create a culture that people will say, well, let's think about it this way, and not feel that they're challenging you. There's a healthy amount of that that grows an organization. And that's key. You mentioned safety. Yeah, Isn't that what we want in our classrooms as well? Absolutely. You know, unfortunately, in education, we reward compliance too often. And so the child who's very compliant gets a better grade, as opposed to a child who will think out of the box and will be more creative, may not be rewarded as much. A great organization looks beyond the compliance to seek out creativity both in leadership and in content. Some of the things that I do at the beginning of the year to establish my team. So, for example, every year I come up with an activity that puts our 40 uh, administrators into teams, and they work all year within those teams. So I have four teams, and it's based on a question that I ask at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. So this year I decided to ask everyone on the team to bring a toy car that reflects their leadership style. It didn't have to be a car. It could be a truck. It could be anything, but it had to be a motor vehicle Mm -hmm. that reflected their leadership style. And depending on what that thing was, they would be placed into those teams. So let me give you an example. Those that chose the antique, the classic, classic, that was one group. And I fell into that group. I actually chose the Maverick. Yeah. It was a 67 Maverick that was quite a classic. That's pretty famous. So that's the one I chose because I feel in some ways that I am a maverick Mm -hmm. and I do explore new territories, but I still am a classic, that there are some classical things that I hold to. But then I also had another group that chose vehicles where they could help people. So their people chose ambulance and, and fire trucks and buses. So in other words, that team of leaders were people who were transporting other people. Mm -hmm. And then there was another group that chose fast cars. Corvettes. Corvettes and, and, you know, flashy. So it was really an interesting one. So they will be working in those teams all year. In the past, I've done other things. One starting point was if you got a box and the box contained a bike and parts, Mm -hmm. what would you do? Would you call a friend to help you put the bike together? Would you just start building the bike? Would you start following the instructions to build the bike? Or could you just go ahead and just build the bike alone? Or would you start daydreaming about it? So there were very different ways of responding, and that's how I formed the teams that year. There must and, have been a lot of great conversations. There. Yeah, oh, oh, they had great conversations in there. But then once they formed the teams, because they're kind of like-minded, I made sure that the teams were K-12s so that I didn't have a team of all elementaries. So they really were cross-teams and cross-disciplines. For example, the next session that we meet, the team one, and I give them names, so mm-hmm. now team one is going to bring a video of a lesson and it will lead us through how we would do the observation on that lesson. So we task them through the years with working together as a team, which means that they have to come together. They're in different schools, they're in different departments, but they have to find the time before the next leadership team to meet and decide on which lesson they're going to share and how they're going to help us with the calibration of lessons. So that's 
one way. And that has really worked over the years to have my district teams really articulating vertically because that's important. And so my elementary principals have a middle school principal that they work with or a high school principal or an English chair is working with a math chair so that we're coming out of our disciplines and out of our buildings. And I see how those activities build relationships. Oh, absolutely. And they have so much fun. Absolutely. So you start with something that's really weird. I mean, and they've gotten used to me, and so they they humor me. So I always do something crazy. I've done bring a hat that best describes you know, but it's very leader. thoughtful. Your craziness well, and, you, and what you bring is very thoughtful. It's crazy. Though. And so now they're like, okay, we know she's going to go someplace So <laughs> with that. Because so, I'm thinking, what car would I bring? I'm thinking, exactly. How exactly. would I put this bike together? I know for me, I would exactly. just look at the diagram and, exactly. and just pull that puppy I together. would definitely look at the diagram and follow it. Right. Word for word, I w- you know I wouldn't call a friend. I wouldn't I wouldn't think <laughs> of a dream about it. Together. I would get that diagram out and I would start following because that's my leadership style. Right. That's Very it. Interesting. So, Lorna, tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life. I can tell you about my first superintendency. Yes, I started out wonderful. I learned so much in that superintendency. I was in the East Williston schools and I was there for five years. It was my first superintendency. I came from Three Village, loved the experience in Three Village, where I was the deputy superintendent. And then I went to East Williston. And the first day, I found out I had no assistant superintendent of business because they had quit, that the superintendent had left two weeks prior. So the district had been running for two weeks without any leadership. And that there was a major issue going on in the district in terms of religious wars going on, huge battles. So I came into the most dysfunctional organization I have ever seen, having come from an organization that was so well-oiled, well-run. Mm, trial by fire. I was trial by fire. And either I was going to run back to Three Villages where I was very safe and they hadn't yet appointed my successor, I could have done that. Or I could say, in every crisis, there are opportunities. Mm. And so that was what I did. And so I reached back to colleagues that I knew very well to call on them to help me to shore up the business office. So I did that. Mm-hmm. And then I did community forums around the hate. I remember standing in front of a board meeting and reading that poem, they came for the Jews mm-hmm. and there was no one. But in the end, and then they came for me and then there was no one left to speak. So I read that poem and you could hear a pen drop because mm-hmm. nobody had been brave enough to just say to the adults in the room, you can't run this way. You, it was such a long-standing hatred. Here's this high-performing district. Nobody would even have known that these things were existing. They were targeting people on the board. So I did a lot of work with them and used all the resources in the district, opened my office up to people. It was really based on transparency because things were operating in such a way that everybody felt distrust. So I became an open and transparent organization. And in the end, we really succeeded. And I would say that my last two years there was bliss because it took me three years to get through that. But once I did, it was gold. And then I left. I always say that I am Moses. I'm not Joshua. I lead through the promised land. I don't go to the promised land. I don't know if you know. That's exactly what you did there, right? Right. And I felt like my work was done there. 
It was. Now you I go back there. Into- I did, and I just I'm so proud. They had never had a board remain the same the next year. Never. Every year people targeted the board members. So every time there was a board member that was up for election, the focus was on getting rid of that board member. So my success was in my fourth year, the same board was elected and the fifth. And guess what? The same board now still is there. And I've left four years, the same board is there. And that had never, ever happened. So can we park here a little bit? Because this is very interesting to me, the fact that you cultivated trust. Yes, And how important is that? You can't operate without trust. The election that's going on is all about trust, and neither of the two are trusted. And so we are in a quandary because there are no real choices. And transparency is where you begin. People need to be a part of an organization. So one of the things I did in East Wilson is every Tuesday I left my calendar open. It was called Tuesdays with Lorna. Any member of the community could make an appointment on Tuesdays with me. Isn't there a book, Tuesdays with Marty? I took it from that, exactly. (laughs) But I had done Tuesdays with Lorna in Three Village for my mentors. So I took that concept, knowing what I had fallen into in East Wilson, and said, I'm going to open up this district for Tuesdays. And everybody knew they could drop in and they would have an appointment with me. And that was the first year. Second year, I didn't need to do it. First of all, my first board meeting when I spoke, the whole room went hush. And I said, what happened? They said, the superintendent has never spoken at a board meeting. And I went, this is crazy. (laughs) Never spoken at a board meeting? You know, in other words, the community would come and they would make a complaint and she would say, thank you. That's it. Never respond. Now, I'm just not that kind of gal, you know. (laughs) So transparency and building trust. It's about serving our children. So parents in this organization, when I was recruited, I came and I wasn't sure I was going to do it because I actually just worked through all the issues in East Wilson. Why would I right. want and, to start and you all over to again? Stay and see the but the I realized I'm a Moses. Mm. I am a Moses. And solving problems is huge. Let's talk a little bit about that too, because I know you came into a situation that was dysfunctional. So how important is coaching in that situation or reaching out to people that can coach you or mentor you? Right. Well, that's exactly what I did. I mean, I didn't know how to do a business office. I reached out to my colleagues. So I have colleagues who have been doing this for ages. Bill Johnson. I had him. You know, what would you do in this situation? Hank Grishman. You must interview him. John Lorenz. He's the business guy. So there are people within the superintendent's organization who have strengths. And so I reached out to them and said, what would you do? Help me through this. And then I also reached out to my leaders within the organization to say, how do we solve this? How do we work together to do this? Where do you see the problems? And so it was problem solving together and them identifying, well, you know, first of all, the superintendent needs to speak at certain issues. Or, for example, in this organization, the principals need to know that when they make a decision, I'm not going to go back and undo their decision. So, for example, this time of year, placement decision. I'm going to go to the superintendent. Well, the superintendent doesn't undo a principal's placement decision because placement decisions are thoughtfully made. And I can't 
in the central office know what that placement thoughtfulness was so that I'm not going to be jumping in and solving. Because if you do, you'll never be a successful superintendent. Mm -hmm. You hire great people, allow them them to be great. Mm -hmm. Trust that they're going to do what's right. right. And when they're not, you help them to become better. So what would you tell a new leader and I, you have a lot of experience with this, <laughs> who's discouraged about their climate. They, you know, they started yeah. a job and they didn't think it was going to be yes. as unhealthy or mm-hmm. dysfunctional. I believe that we have a pretty good mentor system in the organization. Reach out to people who are in like districts, on like districts, people who have walked the path. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't sit there because the people who have not been successful are the people who are afraid to say, I'm having a problem. Even now, when I have something come up at the board meeting that's unusual, I put it out to people. Say, have you thought about this? Have this been an issue? Rely on the leaders that you have in your organization as in the Superintendents Association, and do your homework. But don't be discouraged. Because in the end, if what you want to do is to be a leader in education, it's not always going to be rosy. And the winds do change, but it's about the people who have the flexibility to move with the wind. Mm -hmm. Leaders know how to adjust their sails. And and also know what what they don't know. Right. right? The winds are going to blow, but you've got to know how to adjust your sales. And you've got to know what your limitations are. And sometimes, like I said, I started East Wilson. There was no business person. I was doing curriculum, personnel, business, and superintendent. All four roles. And having not been the superintendent, but I had to pull on people who had better knowledge on each of the subject areas. And I got better. Now I'm one of the people that people call on. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so Lorna, you know, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning now? Lifelong learners means that you're always open to some new ideas that you continue to stay abreast of what is going on in education, but at the same time also feed your soul. I mean, it's not just about the job. Lifelong learners, right now I'm trying to learn not to take on as much as I tend to do. So I just finished Thrive, which is Huntington's book. I bought it for myself, but I also bought it for a couple of my administrators who I think are in overdrive, because I told you I have great people, but we do tend to be in overdrive. So I decided that I was going to buy it for those who are in overdrive, like me. And we tend to be. And, And that book really does say, you know, you've got to take some time for yourself and that you become a better leader when you do take time for yourself. Now, I need to practice that, but at least I'm thinking about <laughs> Well, not only that, you're, you're thinking about the people you're leading, too. Yes, yes, um, yes. And yeah. how, you know, their yeah, needs right. and how so, to help. Yeah, I bought different it. books this year, um, b- depending on who they were. You know, I bought The Four Agreements for a couple of people. I bought, I read that book. yeah, that's okay. a great book. And then I bought the Lao Tse Tung for a couple of people, and I bought Thrive. And then everybody, we bought the sequel to Good to Great, because our theme this year is Great Happens Here. And everything we're doing is around that. And I can't remember what the book okay, is. That, we'll get but it. it is the sequel for, for Good to Great. The entire leadership team is reading that. Two years ago, we started with Mindset. That was fully embraced. We're all in a journey to become better. And so when I know it's been embraced is when the kids start embracing it. So, for example, we had a student who said to a sub, because a substitute was admonishing a child for not getting 100 on a vocabulary test. And they went to the principal. 
principal and said, we don't want this sub in our classroom because they don't have the right mindset. We're getting there. We're not there yet. That's wonderful when that, that happens. That is when, I always say that's bone deep. The principal took the mindset and used it with the kids. So they understood that we're on our journey. We're not there, but we will be there. So that's the message. Last year, we used a children's book. I know, I saw a video. I think it was dedicated to the graduates. Yes. Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss, yes. The and that places, was done by the, the places you, you will go. go. I loved well, it. Well, that was because our theme was going places. By the way, that had nothing to do with an administrator. The teachers in the high school got together and did that. That's what I mean about Bone Deep and an organization when they embrace the theme. And so this year, our theme is Great Happens Here. The leadership team pulled together where we are at the end of the year. And before our last meeting for the year, we decide on what the, the next theme, theme will be. So the minute that they came up with that, we started, if you look on the website, if you go into the buildings, you'll see that Great Happens Here, and then they show why. It's not just saying it, but showing why Great Happens Here. And in POB, it's very easy to do that because so many great things are happening. Mm -hmm. And this year, you can feel it. It's driving the spirit of the organization. Well, I always try to a have lot. a theme mm -hmm. that people will move into and will be our motivator for the year. Well, that speaks a lot to your leadership because people are moving in that direction. You know? Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, right. it's, First of all, it's not my theme. Right. It's everybody's theme. Mm -hmm. But it's not just my theme. The PTA embraces it. They're sending out messages. Great happens here. The board reinforces it. Everybody is reinforcing great happens here. The kids are reinforcing great happens here. That's awesome. So you want to have that. And some themes are better than others. This one, we actually copyrighted it because we think it's so good. So we got the domains in org, com, all that great happens here. You have a good marketing person here, don't you? No. Did you decide that? Did yes, you think about that? Absolutely. Oh, so, so you're the one. You're, well, no. The it's because the thing is that one year when we were doing the bond, I came here, our buildings were falling apart. So we did a bond in 2014. Our theme that year was building futures together. When I tell you that we embraced it, I don't even know if it's still on the website. It might be archived, but there was a song. Well, the same thing happened again this year. That's when you know you got a good theme. An algebra teacher wrote a poem about great happens here. Oh. Jody, one of our best yeah. teachers. <laughs> so she opened the school year with the poem. It's taking ownership. They've owned yeah. it. So some years are better than others, but that song, it's in my head still. And every time I move around the buildings, I am so proud. I smile because I'm not saying you must do this. It's that you create something that people want to do. Isn't that awesome. what the leadership yeah, is about? Right. So, Lorna, you have a lot of responsibilities. What do, you, <laughs> what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind? Well, I am very spiritual. So in the morning, I do a little spiritual routine. So I live on the water in Freeport, and I open my blinds. And it's like a ritual I do every morning. I open my blinds, and I give praise and thanks for being able to experience the moment and ask for blessings to continue the day in that spirit. So I a do a little. Way to start yeah, it is. I, I'm internally grateful. And in fact, today is a very special day for me because a year ago, I was hit by a car. Oh, wow. I had every limb broken. I was in the hospital for 12 weeks. So today at noon, I am going to shut down for a little bit and just think mm. about what that was like. And that's what I meant about an organization continuing in your absence. 
because I was available by phone and you know all of that, but this organization thrived in my absence because I had my standard bearers who picked it up and moved it forward. And you had set that foundation. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. That's very inspirational. Yeah. So many leaders also put long hours. So any advice on how to maintain balance? Uh, this is a tough one. fail on that. <laughs> I, I'm looking, talk about a lifelong learner. That's an area that I could learn. I don't know how to do that. The superintendent is a 24-7 job. It really mm-hmm. is. I need to shut it down, but I don't. And my deputy is the same. So the two of us together are no good. I mean, we were talking last night at 9.30 because there was an issue that was going on. I mean, just constantly, and I am surrounded by people who are like that. That's why I bought the book Thrive for All of Us to read. But it is important that you do take that time to refresh. On Sundays, I do shut down. I do go to Mass. I try not to answer any emails. I do take that time. So I would say carve out a time, whatever that time is, that is your time, that is your refreshment time. A lot of superintendents, women are single women for that reason. And I would say for young people who are going into the superintendency, find a way to maintain that family balance. Keep the friends that you have, carve that time out for them. Because in the end, you know, when you're lying in that hospital room, Mm -hmm. they're the ones who are going to be the ones you want to see. And it seems to me that you weave, even with the books that you buy, Thrive, and the time that you're spending at 12 o'clock to kind of reflect. I do. You weave all that into your life. I I do. You're a superintendent, but it's part of who you are. It's your life. But you balance it with reflection, with connection, right? Absolutely. This is not a solo endeavor. To be successful, you have to be connected and you have to also give to get. The power of St. Francis, the prayer of St. Francis in giving you receive is really at my core. I mean, he is my saint. I remember I went to Assisi and I just cried at his grave because his life has led so many to do great things. And you cannot keep receiving without thinking about giving. And when you give, so much comes back to you. So that prayer is my personal drive. Both St. Francis and Lao Tse Tung. Those two, to me, are the most important. I like John Maxwell. I like Phil Schlatley. And, and they're good books to read, but in the end, it's the soul that you seek to refresh, enrich, and guide your life. It's wonderful. So we've come to our last question. I'm having such a good time. Yeah, it went fast. <laughs> So, Lorna, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? Good Lord, I don't know because my younger me was never even thinking about leadership at all except to continue to do my homework. Be Mm -hmm. open and be ready for the next step. And I guess on the personal side, I probably would have done a little bit more balanced in the family. I spent a lot of summers doing my administrative things that I could have probably taken off Mm -hmm. and spent more time with family. But who knows? Maybe it was the imbalance that brought me to where I am. But yeah, I think the younger people have a better balance. I look at the millennials. You know, I look at the fathers that are in my administration who take time off for their children. When I was raising my son. It was a woman's job. It wasn't a man's job, you know, but I see it's a healthier uh, way that they're approaching things where they both take on the responsibilities. Yeah, I see that shift as well. Yeah, I love the fact that you would tell yourself to stay open because that's where we learn. 
Right. right, because you never know. I mean, I did my doctorate. I never did an administrative course. And Bill Johnson, I was working in Rockwell Center. I was the uh, science chair. First of all, I interviewed for a physics teacher's job. I did not interview for a science chair. And after the interview, he goes, I have a chair opening. Would you like it? And I looked at him. I said, why would I do that? Because in my mind, I was always the teacher and administrators were the other people. And he says, because I need you. And so I said, okay, I'll try it. So that was being open. So I taught and was a chair, but back in those days, you didn't need administrative license to do the chair. I mean, I was evaluating and observing people, but I had no license because my doctorate was in science, not in educational administration. And then when he wanted me to become a full-time administrator, he says, I want you to take on the instructional supervision of the staff. And I said, well, that's interesting because I don't have administrative license. And he looks at me and he goes, how could you not? I said, because I don't. My doctorate was in science education. I didn't do administration. He says, well, go get it. So I went and got the credits over the summer. And I went to three different universities and did the 18 credits. As I said, you do your homework. I would never have taken a job that I wasn't qualified. For. So I came back in September and I became an administrator only because he kicked me into it. He says, I want you to do it and you're the person and I'm going to leave the job open until you do it. That's a great uh, story. Yeah. yeah. Bill Johnson has done a lot for a lot of people. Well, we're going to be interviewing Make him. Make sure so you that, do because yes. he is a great, talk about a great leader. He is. He's a great leader. That's great to yeah. know. So we'll have him on our show and make sure you everybody must, will benefit from that. I try to emulate him. So now I have two people who are now superintendents who have come through me. That's when you realize that you've mentored people to the point where they can now fly on their own and they're taking on organizations. That's when you feel really accomplished. Oh, Just like when you hear great. from your students who are successful. I have a student, I went to a reunion and I said to him, so what are you doing? Because he was really a brilliant student. I said, what are you, rocket science now? He goes, actually, by the way, yes. <laughs> by the way, I am at NASA. <laughs> yes, he actually runs NASA. Uh, and I taught him physics. Look at your face. I do. <laughs> I mean, I'm just so You're amazed. beaming. I am. That's and that's wonderful. how I feel when I see my superintendents who have come through me. Well, Lorna, yeah. I've been so inspired. Oh, and good. I want to thank you so much for adding value, not just to me, but to our listeners. Oh, good. Thank you. Hello, leaders. Don't forget to go to masterleadership.org to find out how to get a free coaching session from one of the exceptional leaders that are featured on this podcast. Until next time, bye.